Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with the co-founder of InfoLink EXP, Jose Gonzalez. Jose has had a storied career over the last three decades, moving from one successful venture to the next and building up a solid skill set for tech and IT development. In all of his experiences, he noticed one thing that really stopped new startups from succeeding in their best capacity. At the first sign of growth, customer service seemed to be too low a priority, which led to a loss of retention of customers and a lowering of reputation at a critical time in a company's life cycle. With InfoLink EXP, Jose has taken his expertise and developed an outsourcing solution so that good customers will feel like they're talking to an in-house team. InfoLink EXP is growing like crazy, so Jose, let's get to it, my man. Thank you for being here today. Hey, thank you for having me. Yes, sir. So we mentioned a little bit of, of your background and how we got here today, but in your own words, how did we get into this business? Yeah, so so uh, I've been I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. I actually started my first company like twenty five years ago now, and uh, over that over that long span, um, we pivoted a number of times, right, and and gone from from one business to another. Uh, one thing that's been a constant though is that we've always been in technology, mm. and um, you know, just to make the long story short. Um, you know, the, the, the company uh, was originally founded in Mexico. And then, um, you know, a few years, a few years later, we uh, incorporated in the States and, and I moved to, uh, to the Bay Area, um, uh, to, to San Jose, California. And, you know, we, I, I spent a number of years there. And, uh, you know, that's when I really uh, got exposed to all the uh, you know, innovation and the speed of that place, and 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 just uh, just the dynamics of of, of uh, you know all that all that product and service innovation. Sure. And, and one thing one thing that we uh, that I noticed was that um, you know a, a few things, right? One is like you like you said before, um, companies uh, go through a stage where you know they they start with just a few users and you know, maybe a few thousand and they're able to support them in house pretty well, but then they, you know, the successful companies come to a, you know, come, come to a time, come to a point where they can't do that anymore. They need to scale things very quickly, but they need, they need to do that, uh, you know, while delivering good quality, both product and service, customer support, customer service. The, the other thing that I noticed over and over was that, you know, the speed of innovation has been so fast that people have people as in users of products and services. They, they, they I think we all have uh, trouble keeping up, right? There's, there's a, there's an adoption gap. There's a, you know, there's a, there's a gap there between what's being offered by companies and what we're, act, what we're actually adopting and, and the speed at which we're doing that. So, so those two things made me, um, uh, 
I think realized that that there was an opportunity there, right? Where where you know we could take we we had done a lot of technology before. We had our own products to do e-commerce, uh, you know, uh, websites and and stuff like that. And we were experienced, I guess, in supporting customers. We had done IT IT help desk, for example, and things of that sort. So we kind of took that expertise and 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 try to match it up with what these you know new wave of companies uh was was uh, being confronted with as a challenge so so you know we started building um support teams for for companies um and and taking a lot of the you know i i call it the complexity right a lot of the complexity of running these support operations uh, we, we try, we, we started taking that on, on their behalf. Hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that took us from one opportunity to another and, you know, it, it seemed, seemed to stick and, and, and we started growing the company much faster than we had. Um, you know, at, at, at this point it's, it's, uh, it's evolved really well because, because it's, um, you know, it's being digitized, right? We were putting all of this, all of this offering onto a platform. Um, so it's not just the, the human element, but it's also, it's also technology. There's also a technology element to it. So did you guys take the current business you had and pivot it to this, this solving this problem to this market? Or did you start a company from scratch to solve this? No, we, we actually pivoted. Um, we had, um, you know, our, our previous uh, pivot, you could say, our, pre- our previous business was uh, building um, websites and e-commerce, e-commerce sites and, and web apps for companies really all over the world, right? We, we worked with a couple of partners that allowed us to deliver our solutions to, to small companies all over the world. So, so we were real familiar with... Um, not only the, uh, the, the, the customer support part of the equation, but also the technology and, the, the, and e- even the languages and the nuances of you know, different cultures uh, in different places in the world. Yeah. So it, it, was a real, you know, it was a real good match at that point. We, we pivoted because you know, being in, in the Silicon Valley just, just provided us with a tremendous opportunity to tap into, into uh, new companies uh, you know, at this, at this growth stage where they, they would need something like that. Yeah. Was it a slow pivot over time where you devoted a little bit of resources and then more and more as your, as your customers picked up, or was it a pretty quick pivot? What'd that look like? Yeah, for sure. We, it, it was a it, kind of a slower pivot. We, we did try it out with a few clients first. Um, so that we, uh, you know, we, we wanted to make sure that it was a better opportunity for us than what we were uh, doing before. Um, uh, you know, our, our old business was more of a project-based, uh, uh, revenue model. Okay. Uh, this provided us with a, with a, with a better revenue model into, you know, on the finan- financial side, uh, you know, recurring revenue, uh, predictable revenue. And it was, it was just a better opportunity at that point when, when we, uh, we did it a few times, um, when that worked well we did go in, you know, go all in, right? We, uh, we basically relaunched the company as mm. InfoLink EXP uh, for, for experience, right? That's what it means, as in customer experience. 
uh, and we just relaunched, right? We re relaunched with our team. We relaunched our, our website, our image, everything. What's the key to doing that well? If a company is going through a pivot right now and they're like, man, maybe we need a full-on relaunch. What's the, what's the key to doing that well? You mean the relaunch or the, or the pivot yeah. itself? Yeah, well, both actually. So the pivot, yeah. uh, but I'd also love to hear just about the relaunch itself, right? Like yeah. you're basically representing yourself to the market. Um, how did you do that? Well, I, I think in terms of the pivot, like like I'm sure you've heard a thousand times before, uh, you need you need to you need to try it and you need to validate that it works, right? You can't just go with an idea, right? You need to you need to make you need to make sure that you have actual paying customers, and and once you do and and you you you're sure that that's a repeatable model, then then you go from there. I think in in terms of the pivot, I think that's what I would consider important. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the launch, uh, I mean, it wasn't that hard, right? It's more of a marketing exercise to me. That's 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 um, uh, we did change our branding, uh, right? We communicated, we reviewed our 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 company values. At that point, uh, we communicated to our team that we were we were now moving from being A to being B, and you know what that meant and what the value that we were delivering to our customers and how our team was changing. And we did a lot of internal work actually, probably more than with customers. Yeah, yeah, you're having to reposition and rethink and reallocate resources, right? Exactly, exactly, yeah. What was the most challenging part of that pivot period? Uh, you know, I think, um, Probably, uh, I would say two things. Maybe the the the, the mindset of the team, um, just making sure that they understood what what we were now doing and what the, the the value that we were delivering to these customers. For example, um, a lot of what we deliver as value to these to these companies because we are, you know our client is a company. They're not they're not the end user that we support. Is a right. It's a company. And um, what they're looking for is, is they're looking to scale fast. They're looking for flexibility. They're looking for, um, uh, you know, trustworthiness. They're looking for uh, quality uh, in, in, in the customer experience being delivered. Um, and, it, you know, some of these things are somewhat intangible, right? And you need to internalize them. Uh, it's different than delivering a piece of software. Right, mm. where, where it's, uh, you know, it, it, either it's got the features or it doesn't, right? Um, so I think that that was, that was challenging. Um, and obviously, you know, uh, for the pivot itself, uh, just getting our marketing and sales engine going, um, which is an, an ongoing challenge. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that we have uh, solved that completely by any means. But just getting getting that little engine going uh, and producing, you know, uh, predictable, uh, you know, pre you know, leads in a predictable way, I guess. Yeah. Now I'm curious. To me, I I I, I could imagine, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there would be a a trust gap that's got to be filled for a company like that to, in a sense, outsource their customer satisfaction right their their customer yeah. care yeah. 
Okay. How did you guys earn that trust or how difficult was it to get someone to not just try to figure it out and do it themselves in-house, but to start to actually give you guys some meaningful, a meaningful role in taking care of their customers? That's a really, really great question because it's all about trust, right? Um, the, um, so I think you're right on, right? These companies, uh, these are young companies. They're, most of them are technology companies or tech-enabled companies, like we call them. Uh, and they're really, really, really sensitive to the customer experience, right? They, they can't mess it up. Yep. I mean, their customer has to be like uh, gung-ho about them, right? It's not just, hey, yeah, I got, I got the product or I got the service. I'm okay with it. They've got to be excited about these products. They've got to be promoters. Um, so they're really, really sensitive about that. Um, and the way you, at least the way we've done it is it, it requires, you know, the good thing about this, let me say uh, first, is that these, these are companies that, these aren't companies that are, you know, these are not companies that are looking for like a call center experience. They're looking for a small, high quality operation. When I say small, I mean, you know, not that they, they're not growing, they are, but I, I don't mean stable, but I mean smaller, right? They, these, are, these are teams that may be, you know, as small as, you know, two or four, you know, support agents and that may be as large as maybe 50 or 60 or 70, right? So, so they're, not, they're not huge. Um, and, um, so they, it's the, the way, I think the way you build that is you, you need to convince them number a, that you know what you're doing, that you've done it before and that you have customers that are very similar to them. Yeah. Right. So again, it's not the call center experience. It's, it's knowing about technology, knowing about the dynamics of a, of a startup, uh, knowing what's important at different points in time. We had that experience. We had that exposure. So we can talk the language. Uh, and once we get going, then it, it's a lot of it has to do with having uh being very flexible, very responsive, but also having really good metrics, right? Hmm. So, you know, you need to, you need really good ways of measuring uh, customer satisfaction, of measuring, uh, uh, you know, different things that will uh, convince a company that, hey, we're going in the right, right direction here. And even, even though it's not our, our own internal team, uh, this is working well. Yeah, yeah. But I, my, my curiosity would be on those first few customers, how do you convince them when you haven't had the, hey, we've, we've done this already with, with this company, this company that's similar to yours. Yeah. How did you convince those first few customers to give you guys a go? Well, um, you know, a couple of, couple of, couple of different ways. I mean, our first customers, as I'm sure it happens with, you know, with a lot of founders out there, you kind of start doing business with people you know, right? Yeah. Uh, people that what that they already had that, that already have a certain level of trust with you, and that happened to us here, right? Um, for this particular pivot, um, we already had 
some inroads. We had people that knew us that were, you know, positioned in different places within companies and and they they gave us they gave us a chance. And and they gave us they gave us a chance not only to prove ourselves with their company, but also you know, to be a reference for us and to be a champion for us with others. Um, so, you know, a, a lot of our early business came through referrals and that's a great way of getting business, by the way. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the way it happened. How would you characterize, uh, some of the elements we haven't focused on yet in those first few years of that new, that new business? What were those uh, years like? What What do you mean? What do you mean by that? So, if we think about like a, the story of your company, right? Yeah. You guys have the story as you've now pivoted into being this customer experience company, right? And you're now in the early stages of that company that you're leading, right? That's going yeah. to serve these other companies. Right. What were some of the What were some of the major themes or things that really um, were the challenges and the growth points for for you guys in those early years? Yeah. Well. Um, so, so one of them for sure is, uh, like I said before, is having that, that, that marketing and sales machinery. <laughs> yeah. We, we focus a lot of our effort on that, right? Uh, we still do. We will uh, always do that uh, to the extent that we can because that, that's, that's, that really makes the business. I mean, if you don't have, you know, you may have a few companies that know you and, and, and trust you and you may, may be doing a, a great job for them over years, but at the end of the day, if you're not, if you're not bringing in new leads yeah. and companies that don't know you, then your business is not going to grow. So I think the main challenge to me is that, that machinery of just, you know, getting, getting your message out to the market and, and, and then getting the, the numbers, right. You need to, you need to have metrics, right. How many of these you know, potential leads do I need to tap into so that I get, you know, a certain number of opportunities and then I make a certain number of proposals and then I, I you know, I, I actually close a, a few of them. Right, so, right. <laughs> right. So it's a yeah. numbers game and it's, yeah, that to me is a big challenge. I, I think it is for everybody. Of um, course. Right. Yeah. Um, that was one of the biggest challenges for us and our business is referrals are great. And if you don't have them, something's wrong, but it's also unpredictable and it's a very slow way to grow, right? right? And so you've got to start. We had to put our 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 learning our learning hats on and say, all right, well, how do we predictably bring in? Just like you said, what is the the top of the funnel? To if you start working the conversions, well, we seem to get fifty percent of them into this, and then twenty percent are are now in a proposal stage, and then you know ten percent say yes, and working those numbers out. That's what, right. What did you guys start to see? that moved the needle? What, what did you start to do or learn that, that started to get that, that engine at least going for you? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a great question. You know, uh, one, one thing that we did in that sense initially was to, to get uh, pretty specific in terms of, uh, of our ideal customer profile. I mean, we focused on uh, one particular market segment and that was consumer IOT companies, right? Hmm. Internet of things companies. So the kinds of companies that had like do-it-yourself products, right? People buy a camera, people buy a smart lock, people buy a wearable, you know, watch or something. Uh, 
and they need to set it up. They need to install it themselves or maybe a thermostat or whatever, you know, and, and those kinds of products are ideal because they're, they're, um, they have a do it yourself element uh, where people need to be supported, mm. but also, and this is really important, by the way, I haven't, I haven't talked much about this, but what we love about that, that segment of industry is that these products are transformational. You know, they're re they're literally transforming the way we do things. Yeah. And, and that's a very, very exciting element for us because we're not, we're not just supporting a customer. It's not a break fix, break fix type thing. It's really a transformational experience, right? You're going from being just the guy that, you know, used to have your thermostat installed by a, you know, builder or someone uh, to do it this, doing these things yourself and working with Wi-Fi and working with Bluetooth, you know, and, and working with, you know, Google Home, and working with yeah. Disney. So we love that part, but I digress. Um, the, the, um, so, um, you know, having that, having that element to it, uh, allowed us to, um, I guess, catch on with that particular segment of industry. We were really focused on that initially, uh, on that industry. And, and so, so we were really able to say, Hey, you know, I've got a, I, my customers are really, really like you, right. Uh, their products are very much like yours and this is what we focus on. And that, that I think helped, uh, has helped up Huge. until now. Yeah. That being said, though, um, we are expanding our market, uh, right? Because we, we need to, like you said before, we need to uh, make sure that that top of the funnel is big enough. And, um, you know, so we are, we are now expanding to other segments like, uh, you know, e-tailers uh, is one, you know, e-retail. Um, fintech is another really interesting segment for us. Yeah. Uh, just sub subscription services is another um, you know, you're really good segment for. Us. So we are we are expanding expanding so that that funnel keeps keeps growing. Well, how did you get in front of those ideal customers? What channels were you using to get them aware of your of your company and of your services? Yeah. Oh man, that's that's such a difficult thing to do. I think. Yeah. Uh, we use a number of things. Um, you know, it's all online marketing, obviously, uh, you know, a lot of uh, LinkedIn campaigns uh, to certain folks, right? Uh, we, we, uh, we typically talk to uh, people that are in positions of, of uh, uh, responsibility and like customer experience, customer operations, you know, those, those kinds of areas. And, and we, uh, we do a lot of, a lot of, um, uh, reach out through email, LinkedIn, uh, and so on. But, but we also, you know, try to work on the inbound, uh, you know, try to have a, like an interesting, interesting blog and we promote and nurture what we publish there as well. So it's an inbound outbound combination, uh, as best we can. Yeah. <laughs> That's really, really hard it's to do. It's a whole beast. Yeah, I know, man. And it's a, it's a moving target, right? It's, you can never do it well enough. I, I certainly don't know enough about that by any means, but yeah, 
That's what I, I ask a lot of those questions on this podcast because I said like we're learning we're learning as well. Like how do you? It's a whole new skill set. There's there's the skill that your business has in solving a problem, but then you have to learn the skill of getting people aware of the problem that you solve and trusting you and you know taking them through a process that turns them into a client is all like you said it's, it's so many moving pieces, right? Yeah, a lot a lot of pieces. Like that's that's right, and then. You know, at least in our case, we do some of that in-house, but we also rely on partners, right? People that know about SEO, people that know about, you know, lead generation that are doing the research and, and researching, you know, researching companies and and, and bringing them in, in, into the funnel. And, um, uh, you know, we, we try to rely on partners because it, there's so many elements to it that you can't, you just can't know them all. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that we do. You know, so it's, you just got to keep looking, I guess. Now, I'm curious when you were mentioning that you picked kind of a, a, a segment, a, an ideal customer, and that customer is is selling a lot of do it yourself kinds of things that you guys are providing support for. What I hear is, man, that's a training challenge for you to train your people how to how to adequately be able to know what how to, how to solve an issue with the variety of products that maybe that customer sells. Yeah. How did you train your people to be able to be experts or, or know, you know, know how to actually handle the, the issue they're having installing their own, you know, AC, um, not unit, but what were we talking about? The thermostat. Yeah, thermostat or, or they're having an issue with their, their watch they bought or whatever that, that that's a variety of products. Yeah, it, it, it is. And, and you're, you're absolutely correct. I mean, training is one of the major challenges, right? Uh, because it's not, and, and you, you don't just do it once, uh, you, you do it uh, all the time. Right. Uh, right. You, you, keep to, you have to keep uh, training and retraining people on new versions, new releases of, uh, you know, products and, and software and firmware and whatever the product may have in it. Um, there's no way around it. I mean, you, you just find better ways of training, right? So for example, uh, I mentioned that we're, you know, digitizing a lot of this and, and training is a big part of it, right? So that contents are available to people uh, online and they can tap into them easily. So it's not always a classroom experience, right? But it's something, it's a self-paced experience to, to, to the extent that we can. Okay. Uh, the other thing that, that I think is important there is I think that's what's important about becoming expert in a certain field or in a, in a certain segment, right? If you, if you, uh, you know, I mentioned before that we focused on the consumer IoT. And if you do that, like we have, a lot of the technology involved are the same, right? So, mm. so even though the products may be different, you know, the apps are very similar. You know, there's always Wi-Fi involved. There's Bluetooth involved, the Z-Wave and different protocols that are involved in, in, in those kinds of products. And, you know, and people, people start to get familiar and they start to build expertise in those technologies. So even though the product may be different, the, uh, the, uh, the underlying technology and the challenges are kind of the same. Yeah. So does the companies that you're contracting with, did they ever do kind of direct training for your people? Like, hey, here's what we think you should know if you're going to serve our customers well. 
Yeah. Here's here's our product skew. Here's the issues that people are running into. Do they do that, or do you have to go and research that no, yourself they, and provide it to your people? They do that because they're they're the only ones that know that uh, in the beginning. Gotcha. So they they have to get us going, and then part of our value is that we capture that, and then we we do a lot of that. Uh, you know, from that point on. So so. Gotcha. Uh, you know, but they, they do have to do it initially. They help to have to help us out with that. Makes sense. Totally makes sense. Yeah. So there's the technical aspect of training your, your team to, to, to be able to answer questions and know what they're talking about. But right. then there's the interpersonal side, the customer yeah. care side. Yeah. What does that look to train your people to be good with people just to know how to give them a quality experience? You know, that's, that's a, such an interesting question because I, those are soft skills, right? You're right. And and uh, they're 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 um, they're hard to to uh, develop. Um, so so part of it part of it is you know we we certainly try to find people that have that uh, expertise that have done that before and that meet our, our standards right. So so it's not just having it done before, but actually having having it done well. And and. Uh, being able to prove that to us, uh, you know, so, so, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a screening process that people have to go through to, to, to make sure of that. But also um, what we do internally, once we find somebody uh, is uh, we, we train them on what we call transformational customer experience. And that's, mm. that's really different with us. I don't think anybody else does that actually. Uh the um, there's a you know it's a science based approach right there's a little bit of psychology there and a little bit of you know emotion science of emotions and other elements that um, that tell people uh, you know that train people on uh, focusing not just on on what the customer re- needs right now but what are their end goal it really is mm. right. So, so you're trying to go from being these you know, vulnerable consumer that doesn't know how to do something to an empowered person that that's kind of tech savvy, right? You know, yeah. So that, that transformation going from from just just a consumer that's kind of you know getting their feet wet with this new product to being a tech savvy, uh, you know, smart home person. That's the transformation that I'm talking about, and that takes that that takes a little bit of, of science to the to the to the skill, yeah. That, that a that a customer, uh, you know, that a, that a support agent uh, needs to have. Yeah. So, can so you talk about a few things? Yeah. Can you can you talk about maybe a few of the either scientific approaches or psych, psychology approaches that you guys? are trying to train your people in that you think delivers that transformational experience? Yeah, for example, uh, just, just to give you an example, uh, uh, we talk about micro moments, right? Uh, there's always a few moments in the, um, in the interaction with somebody, with, with a customer that make the difference, right? And then so, so for example, if they're, if they're expecting something to be a certain way and it's not, right, that, that, um, that has a cost in terms of how they perceive that experience to be mm. and, and that product to be. 
Um, on the other hand, if they don't expect something, but you deliver something that they didn't expect that was unexpected for them to receive, there's a, there's a, big, there's a big jump in satisfaction as a result of that. So if you know those kinds of things and how to, how to deliver and to deliver them to people, and we call those micro moments, negative, positive micro moments. Uh, if someone has that kind of training that they know, they know that there are certain things that they can do so that that experience is, is just that much more uh, memorable. Yeah. Positive for people. Right. Yeah. And, and you can, you can, you know, we also teach them ways to reinforce uh, how somebody may feel about themselves. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm actually gaining some skill here. Right. Uh, the consumer may think, Hey, I, I'm not just solving this particular issue. I'm actually gaining a new skill uh, yeah. that I didn't have before. And this guy's helping me get it, you know? Yeah. So, so those are things that are somewhat soft, but they're also, like I said, science-based and they can be trained. Uh, they can be, so, you know, somebody can be trained on. Absolutely. Now I imagine the difference between somebody on your team on a Monday doing a great job at executing on everything you're training them and somebody on a Tuesday that's not delivering you know, yeah. to your standard of care would be how engaged they are. Are, are. are all the switches turned on, you know? Are they focused? Are they engaged? Are they really listening to the customer? Are they even deciding to go above and beyond in a moment? All those kinds of things. You know, the enemy, I would guess, would be someone just kind of in a flat state. They're, they're, yeah. they're tired. They're just, all right, who's next? All right, all right, what's your issue? You know, that kind of DMV-like experience, right? Yeah. Uh, customer 133, what's your problem? All right, let's go. How do you guys help your, those people stay engaged and like be there emotionally, be there mentally. They're excited to help the customer. Have you found any, found any, any keys to keeping those people engaged in that process? Yeah. A, a few ways I, that I would mention. One is, one is the nature of the job, right? For example, uh, we work with a lot of very exciting products and companies, right? So th these guys aren't, you know, they're not doing uh, boring, repetitive work. Mm. They're working with these, uh, you know, you know, literally, uh, you know, trend uh, setting products. And, you know, uh, it may be, like I said, a wearable or, or a, you know, smart lock or a, or a smart yoga mat for all, you know, or something, you know, they, sure. you know there's sensors involved and there's, 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 you know, really fancy functionality involved. So that that helps us keep our team engaged right uh, because it, the the work is is uh, is somewhat technical and it's very exciting and it's not um like i said you know it's not it's not boring it's not it's not your you know uh, vanilla variety of customer yeah, service yeah. so so that's one that's one way there's obviously a lot of training and retraining going on uh i would mention coaching Right. For example, um, you know, people part of our system, which is also getting digitized in our platform, is how you how you evaluate somebody, how you score somebody, and those kinds of uh, elements that I mentioned before. You know, yeah, not just the typical soft skill, but actually the transformational skill. 
and how you score that. And, and then based on those scores, people get coached all the time. Interesting. Also, so, uh, you know, who's, who's coaching you know, them? managers or is it, is it their direct manager or something coaching them? How does that look? Yeah, there's a, there's their team leaders would, but also we have, um, we have QA coaches, quality assurance coaches that do just that. And that go through their scorecards with people. Um, so, you know, they, you know, they, we're talking about people here, right. And then, yeah, you know, you're going to have better days than others, but to the extent possible you want to keep that um, pretty even level of quality absolutely uh i'm curious what this may be a little bit of a left turn but uh what size is the company now like how many people are in your organization and at that stage right because you've been a smaller stage and then grown to whatever stage you're at now what what are you finding is the challenge of growing the company at the current stage it's at so what is What's the size of it? And then what's the current challenge at that stage of the company? We're right now, we're probably at around 200 people. Okay. Um, like I said, you know, we're truly a support company. We're not a, we're not a call center. So our teams aren't huge. This is not about seats. It's about, uh, you know, uh, being, um, an extension of our clients' organizations, right? And our clients' organizations are typically small. Uh, these, these are company, young young tech companies. And um, so teams aren't, aren't that big. We probably have 200, maybe a little more than 200 people. Um, the, uh, there, there's a lot of challenges. I don't know that I can point to you know, I, I can certainly point to a lot of specific challenges, but sure. You know, obviously managing. Is there anything the unique? Is, is there anything unique to that size? Like I notice, at the size when it's ten to twenty, there's a certain challenge having your first next layer of leadership. You're like, oh, I think I actually need an executive team now, and then you get beyond that, and maybe it's your first level of managers. You're like, oh, yeah. we're fi- we're big enough for the first time. It can't just be this executive team. Now we've got a layer of managers, and that's a challenge. That's right. That's right. Yeah. How would you characterize the two hundred? At 200, 200, what do you think? Level? Yeah. I think you touched on, on one thing. And thank you for bringing it up because that's exactly where we are. Um, our executive team uh, needs to be more scalable and we're working on that. Um, mm. So so people that, that you know, were able to manage, you know, 10 guys or 15, well, you know, can't necessarily manage, you know, three or four or five times that many, right? Right. Uh, either you build the skills uh, or, or, or you need to just have somebody else do that. I mean, people have certain things that they do well and certain things that they need to be developed on. So, um, yeah, you know, I think building a scale, uh, we actually have a goal this year for 2021 of, of, of making progress in terms of building our management team our leadership team, I should say, it needs to be uh, more scalable. So what I mean by that is we need to have a team that's able to take the company from 200 people to 500 or or a thousand. Right. Um, And uh, there's also, you know, we're, we're, we're bringing in people uh, at a faster pace. Yeah. And people that you just can't know, personally anymore yeah right you, you you're not just to, around the water cooler together it's getting yeah, too exactly. spread out 
Yeah, I mean, I, now now you maybe you on any given week maybe you have ten new employees or twelve or fifteen, and you just can't know everybody anymore to that level. Even though it'd be ideal, but it just it's just not possible. Yeah, especially uh, during the pandemic, right? Where we're all oh yeah, out. yep. So that's a challenge, and that's so the, the, there's a challenge of how you how you bring people in faster at you know, while maintaining that level of quality of who you hire but also just the challenges of of absorbing uh, that growth and still you know staying true to your values and um, getting everybody trained well and so on so yeah it's almost like um i talked about this with a client once where uh, i said it sounds like you're saying how do we keep value all the way to the edges Right. So if you imagine like a game of telephone where the more lines of communication, the more opportunity there is for miscommunication. Right. For right. assumptions where I assumed everybody knew these were our values, That's but right. these right. I didn't realize they didn't make it all the way to the edges of this growing landscape that we have as a company. Is that yeah. kind of what you're saying? Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, that needs a lot of internal work. Right. Somebody's got to be in charge of of doing the things that 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 are necessary for people to know what the culture is what the values are uh the, and you know, why the, you know, tangible examples of why you do certain things the way you do yep uh so yeah i mean a lot of culture building elements right that you didn't that you didn't spend a lot of time on before quite frankly i mean you were yeah. focused on your customers right yeah now there's a lot of more there's more internal team building work to do yeah. That's why, that's why I'm fascinated. So in these conversations, I always like to ask like, what, what size company you're at? What's the challenge? Because you start to see these themes emerge like, Oh, it helps so much to know that's the stage we're in yeah. earlier. We were in this stage. Like often you're hiring generalists at the beginning because everybody's having to do a variety of things. I've got to be a salesperson at one moment and I've got to be a customer care at the next. And I've got to be and it's like, all right, we need generalists. We need people who would never say that's not my job, right? Yeah. Everybody's got to pitch in. But then at some point, you realize you're in a season where you need more specialists. You need people that only do this and are locked in and their focus is the key, right? Yeah. And so it's just fun to see like the stages emerge. Like that's the stage we're in. And this is now where our thinking is going and our resources are going, right? Such a such a great point. Uh, that's such a great point. I think I think you're right on. I mean, we we recently, um, not recently, but over the last year plus, right? We needed to focus a lot on, for example, adding a layer of what we call uh, client success managers, right? To us, these are the these are the account managers that our clients rely on. Yep. With us, right? And and that's you know that that's a role that was performed by other managers you know more more generalist type managers yep but now that's a role that's being really really developed into a very specialized role right like a like a customer success manager we yep. call it client success manager not customer success manager but it's essentially the same thing and you know they need to they need to get certain skills and they need to learn how to do certain things yeah to excellence yeah that's right and yeah, that's an example, right? Where we had to just add a layer of those kinds of folks and we're still doing that. And then you find that you need other other roles in other places. Interesting. 
Man, it's so cool. Uh, last question for you would be, as the founder, what has changed in this season versus maybe earlier on in the company in terms of you thinking, what's my best use of my time? Yeah. Right? So, like, you're growing. Your role is growing and evolving as the company's role is growing and evolving. How do you look at your highest leverage activities as the founder for the company now versus maybe early on when you're pitching in and having to do a whole bunch of things? Yeah. Uh, you know, my role is getting, and I'm, I'm, I'm making a point of making it uh, less um, operational, right? So uh, even though it's important, everything in a company is important, uh, not, you know, I don't need to be involved in everything. Yeah. Right. And that even includes sales, for example. Uh, you know, I used to be involved in every sale that we made and I spent a lot of time with these, uh, with these clients, right. Up until not long ago. And, and I, I've, I've had to focus on extracting myself from, from being uh, a salesperson. Right. So I, I, so that I can focus on other things that are just as important. Uh, so, so for so on one on one end is building a sales team, somebody that 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 the company can trust to manage the sales process, uh, and and we've done some work along those lines. But also as a CEO, you know, you need to focus on stuff that's that's more strategic, right? Yep. And, and, you know, I, I see myself as the, uh, the person responsible for keeping the company innovative, right? So, so for example, right now, I mentioned this a couple, a couple of times already, but, um, you know, we are, uh, we are re- literally moving from having, uh, um, you know, being a company that, that builds support teams to, to being a company that's that's um, where that where that offering uh, is available online. Right? It is is available through a platform so that we can scale faster. We can we can offer our uh, services, products and services to to companies uh, to more companies in more segments, right? And, and that means that there's a, there's got to be a lot of technology built into the business mm-hmm. uh, to make it scalable. And and you know. The only person that can do that, that can lead that is me right now, right? That's yeah. my main role. So I can't, I can't be involved in, in, in a lot of operational stuff like I used to. I, I need to have other people do that. Uh, and, then, and then I can, I can focus on the more strategic stuff. You know, how do we expand our market? How do we you know, build technology into the business? How do we make these more scalable? Yeah. Yeah. You're learning to, to, to delegate really important things so that you can elevate to other really important things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And some people find that very difficult, either logistically and or emotionally, like, yeah, is this going to be done well without me? I, I, I know, I know it works well with me in it, you know, is the sales process going to go, okay. If I remove myself, was that challenging for you to, to begin to pass some of those critical things off? It, it still is. Still yeah. is, uh, you know, I, I have a, I think, I think we have a really good team and especially on the sales. And I, I think we've been able to put in place, uh, you know, we have a, a VP of growth that oversees a lot of the sales related stuff, but, 
but I, you know, I, it's still challenging to me to, to not be involved in certain things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You just feel like you're not doing your job in a way. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's yeah. been a big learning curve for me as I've listened and learned and, and worked with the clients we've worked with is this idea of you're supposed to be working yourself out of the job. Right. And that's just so counterintuitive because you're like, no, I need to stay critical to the company. And it's like, yes and no. But yeah. what's critical is changing, right? Yeah. So like you said, what's critical now is more visionary. It's more making sure, like Wayne Gretzky said, I see where the puck is going and I go, th- and I go meet the puck, right? That's right. That's right. And it's yeah. like, you got to see where the technology is going, where the customer needs are going and have the time and space to, to, to think like Bill Gates thinking time to know where we're going as a company. But in the short term, it can feel emotionally like you're not, you're not doing what you used to know derived value, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, it, it, you know, it creates a certain level of anxiety, anxiety, right? Yeah. Because you you also want to, you know, you also want your clients to know that you're there, right? And, and you want them, you want them to see you, and you want them to, you know, they always feel better when, when, I mean, they always feel better when, when, when they see you and when they know you're involved, and then you know that you care about their issues. Uh, so you want to, you want to, you want to continue to do that. But on the other hand, you can't be, you know, in every call, you can't be in every, you know, yeah. dealing with every issue. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I think you're right. That creates anxiety for people. It certainly does for me, but you know, uh, I think you have to keep in mind that that's, that's the right thing to do. Yeah, that's right. Uh, growth sake. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I'll never forget. There's a guy named Dr. Henry Cloud. He's famous for his books on boundaries, right? So this idea of boundaries, I think he's a uh, organizational psychologist. And I remember hearing him talk once and he said in his work with founders, the hardest thing that often led to the biggest growth was what he called having them face necessary endings. Anything that used to be, but no longer needs to be right. So whether it's, they no longer need to be this involved in this sales process or maybe it's even a product that was really big for them early on but no longer really is making them that much money yeah and he said it was the emotional challenge uh and the anxiety of, of recognizing hey if i'm if i'm honest if i'm objective my time at this state in this role or this product needs to come to an end yeah. and it took some coaching it took some self-awareness to, to recognize it is what the business needs i'm just experiencing some anxiety over it right yeah exactly that's a, that's a, that's a great concept. You need to, I haven't read that book. Maybe you can, you can send it to me. I for sure will. Yeah. I'll send it to you. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a really, really brilliant guy. We've used that term all the time and he likened it to pruning. You know, he's, he started talking about the science of pruning and he said, the idea of pruning is that you, you don't just cut dead branches. He's like, that's the easy one. Something that's a dead product or it's a dead end use of my time. He's like the hard part of pruning is knowing which of the branches that are good need yeah. to be cut. Yeah. So that you can give more resources to fewer amounts of branches to really produce robust amounts of fruit. And he was like, that's the hard part is when a CEO is looking at a branch that's good. Man, this is a it's good product. Still alive, right? it's, still alive. it's still alive. And he's like, nah, but you got to cut it because you're seeing the bigger picture. Like these other branches that are growing need all those resources right now, you know. And um, so anyways, it was fascinating. I was talking to George Brooks. Uh, he he, his episode should have come out before this one. And he was talking about the same thing in there that he, he and his co-founder realized they were the bottleneck at the stage of the growth they're in to the company growing. And the way he phrased it was interesting. He said, people psychologically 
were making a sale because of me who happened to run my company, right? Like they, they were building their trust in me and that, oh yeah, and he's got this company that he runs. And he said, I had to figure out a way that they were buying my company yes, that I yeah. happened to be the founder of. Yes, yes. And it was like, he was like, yeah. he was like, we didn't know how to do it at first, but we knew that was the switch. Like, how do they trust and buy our company that I happened to run versus buying me that I run this company? And that sounds like, you know, you're a little bit beyond that, but it's still part of, it sounds like it's still a work in progress. Yeah, but. that's still a work in progress for sure. And then, I, I, you know, I think that happens to everybody because initially people do buy you. Yes. Like I said in the beginning, right? There's, there's, a, there's a trust element there and there's, that's unavoidable, unavoidable. But I think you're right. You know, eventually you need to get to a point where, where, where clients come to InfoLink EXP because they yep. know what it does and what, can, what it can do for you. And it doesn't matter who the founder was almost, you know, yeah. or, or whether he's still the CEO or not. Yes. They, yeah. it's, it's like the brand itself, the team itself has its own collective trust and, yeah. and quality service. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Super yeah. interesting. Super, All right. Super interesting. Let's do uh, I'm going to send you that book by the way. And uh, yeah. let's, let's do the lightning round questions. All right. Sure. Let's go. So question number one, is let me get to it if you could ingrain one message into your entire organization what would it be i think what i would tell them is um don't get complacent hmm. you know don't get complacent um keep exploring uh you know keep exploring keep keep trying to find the best opportunity out there because you're always dealing with opportunities and you you know you if you keep doing what you're doing you know forever that's not going to work right these days these these times are too too dynamic to mm. there's a lot of change so just keep exploring don't get complacent uh well, but once you sense. find somebody once you find something focus right? oh interesting that's yeah yeah yeah. Well, that makes sense because earlier we were talking about, you know, I can imagine complacency leads to boredom and boredom is going to lead to a poor customer experience where you, you're just kind of phoning it in. Right. So it's yeah. like it, it not being complacent is going to have your team giving their best to their people. And I like what you said at the end there and focus. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about that. Why is that important? That that actually takes me to your second question. Okay. Well, let's do that. Let's that do actually the, takes me to your second question because let's do that yeah let's do the second question, second question what is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business and the worst i think the, the best would be focused on your best opportunity because we all have opportunities right there's a there's 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 many of them and and there's there's they may be there may be several good opportunities but there's always one that's the best and that's where you should focus your effort your resources your your you know mental capacity mm. uh so so i you know that's something that i learned from a actually a consultant many years ago and he said is you know he kept saying is this your best opportunity is this your best opportunity and and and, and if you find your best opportunity focus on that yeah so that's something that i've tried to practice well it reminds me of the uh pruning example we were talking about like yeah there's a lot of good branches but what's the What's the best branch that we need to really focus on and give all the resources to, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. All right. What about the what about the worst advice you've got, you've gotten? I, I think the worst, and I don't know that I've gotten a lot of bad advice. I mean, most people that I've dealt with, I've, I've, I've been fortunate to have good 
good coaches, good mentors uh, along along the along the way. But uh, you know, when I when I spent time in the Bay Area in the Silicon Valley, um, that place is a very product focused ecosystem, right? And and we were uh, back then we were a services company. Yeah. Uh, and and you know people kept saying you know you know as a services company you can't scale and you can't. Uh, you know, it's just not as exciting and the multiples aren't there. Um, and that worried me for a while, right? And, and it, it doesn't anymore because I think, uh, uh, I actually look back and think, you know, I don't know that that qualifies as a piece of advice, but it did concern me for a while. Sure. And, and I don't, right now, you know, I think, I think differently. I think there's, there's so many different businesses that people can go into. There's so many models, uh, you know, revenue models and anything that you do, you can really scale. I mean, we, we live in a time where you can use technology to scale almost anything. So um, I, I guess to other founders, I would say, you know, don't, don't think like you have to be a certain way or have a certain, you know, type of business or, you know, do, I, I guess, do what, you'll go with your best opportunity and try to find ways to make that work. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Question number three, what causes you the most stress or worry currently leading your organization? Um, I think the, uh, I think the pace of change of things, um, just things changing so rapidly. I mean, we've all seen examples of complete, uh, you know, of whole, huge companies going out of business because the world changed, right? Sure. It used to be done a certain way, isn't anymore. And, and uh, everybody's afraid to be blockbuster, right? Yeah, right. And, and he's not, you know, maybe, 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 uh, you know, I worry about things happening that might put us out of business at some point or change our business so significantly that we can't do what we do anymore uh or or our clients for that matter right yeah uh so uh, we deal with a lot of young companies and and you know there's a there's certain level of risk there of they of they making it so you know just the pace of change of things and we live in uh technology so that we're really really exposed to to how things are changing there yeah uh that makes so much sense that's that was especially highlighted for me, for my company when the pandemic hit, right? I think everybody was feeling that, like, are we going to be able to adapt? You know, like things are changing. What do we do? And something that I encouraged my team in that I would even encourage you is I said, you know, it's my confidence right now isn't that we've got it figured out. My confidence is our ability to figure it out. And that's something you should take confidence in because as I've heard about your story, this whole podcast, the yeah. The variety of industries in the, the timely pivots that you guys have made, I'd say, Jose, man, you've got an incredible ability to figure it out. So whatever, the, <laughs> wherever the future is going, I, I just think you and your team are going to figure it out. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I believe that to be true. I, I, I do hope it, it stays that way. Yeah, it will. That, that stuff doesn't leave you. All right. Number four, what is your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal for this company? Um, we want to be the largest customer experience platform there is. 
So, so I think there's two things, uh, two, two parts to that. Um, you know, the, as you know, with uh, AI and all these new technologies, a lot of, a lot of stuff is getting, getting automated, right? A lot of, you know, we all worry about certain kinds of jobs going away and not coming back. Uh, one thing I think that people still do really, really well is support one another, right? Service one another. And um, I don't think that's going to go away. I mean, there's a lot of customer service technologies out there, but they, 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 they still haven't um, replaced the human element to service. Mm. So I think we can, we can tap into that, that talent and that skill wherever it is. You know, maybe the U.S., it may be Mexico, it may be you know, we, we, have a, we have now a, a European operation in Spain, but it may be Asia, where, wherever it is, um, you know, you can tap into that talent and you can tap into that skill that people have that isn't easily replaceable. And if we can provide the technology, you know, as in a platform where people can go and find uh, these products that they can support and companies can go and find these teams that can, that can help them scale, that, that, that's a great match, I think. So we want to be the biggest customer experience platform there is. And that's what we're working on, right? That's why I mentioned we're digitizing what used to be strictly a, 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 a you know, a team building uh offering we we're trying to take that that bigger put it put it online get a lot of these uh done digitally uh, so that you know you're you're a customer success or a customer support manager you want to you want to build a virtual team to do what you need to do for your customers hey you can come to infolinks platform mm. and you can and you can do it there right and you you'll find the tools to do it there and on the other on the other side of the equation, you have you're going to have these team members that can apply their skills, their customer service skills to, to 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 these very exciting wave of technologies that's taking over the world. Yeah, yeah, I love it, man. I see it. I see the vision. All right, Good. question number five this is our creative question. Answer it however you like. If you could hop into a DeLorean, go back to the past. And you get to tell yourself just one thing out the driver's side window as you drive by. Yeah. When would you go back? And what would you tell that younger version of yourself? Don't wait. Mm. I would say once you know that something works, uh, be aggressive. Uh, right? I, I, I've been guilty of waiting too long uh, in the past. You know, maybe you don't you don't know the right you're the right person to do something. You don't know about getting the funding. You don't know how to do that. Uh, maybe you know it takes a lot of effort to put that to put that business plan in place. Um, you know, there's a lot of parts to it. It takes a long time. It will take a long time. Just don't wait, right? Come on. I, 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 that's what I would tell myself. That that what that's what I still tell myself. Yes. Yes. Oh, I, I resonate with that deeply. One, that's probably been the most common answer to, to that question. So I'm, okay. I, I'm, I'm just, again, I've had a hundred interviews and I'm, I'm seeing the hot, the similar answers to questions and it's usually trust myself earlier and don't wait. Like once you know, jump in. 
And yeah. I know I've experienced that. And the way I've even, I've even uh, analogized it for myself is I feel like, have you ever seen a dog circle their bed for like 10 minutes? Yes. <laughs> and you're one, um, you're watching the dog circle its bed. That's always been its bed like 10, 15 times in a circle. And you're wondering, what are you waiting for? Like, are you seeing anything different every time you take a lap? Like, you know, that's your bed. Just lay down in it. And that's how it feels sometimes. It's like we just keep taking another lap around an idea and taking right. another lap. And it's like, when am I just going to lay down and commit to it? Right. Yeah. There's, there's never a perfect way to do anything. Right. So no. you might as well just do, just, just go, go one way and see how that works. I mean, you can always adjust. Exactly. Exactly. But it's like, Oh, I, I need to think through this angle one more time and, and double check this. And it's like, dude, you've already seen whatever you can see from this point. You might as well, if that's the best guess, just go for it and then learn as you go. <laughs> that's a awesome. great analogy. Awesome. Jose, man, this has been such a fun end to my week. Uh, so impressed by you, your company, and excited to see where it goes from here. So thank you for making time to be on the podcast with us today. Oh, thank you, Drew. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Awesome, buddy. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.